Hi everyone, welcome back to the Just Interesting People podcast. My name is Rosie and I'm here with my co-host and husband Jeremy and today we are talking to Anwar. Anwar is a documentary photographer based in Nairobi, Kenya. He's a very talented photographer. He focuses on showing the reality and the daily life of his city and his neighborhood. His intention with his photograph is to share stories about what goes unnoticed in the street and in his community. In the episode, he talked to us about growing up in Kenya, going to school there, how he got into photography, and despite the challenges that he's facing, where does he find the motivation to keep going and to pursue his passion? We really hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, Anwar. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Rosie, for having me on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you. I'm very, very excited about learning about you and your story. We connected through Instagram. Uh, we have a mutual friend, Daniel, who was in Kenya before the pandemic two years ago. And um, and yeah, we connected through Instagram algorithm <laughs> suggestions, <laughs> basically. And when I saw your profile, when I saw that you were from Nairobi in Kenya and you're a photographer, I was very intrigued, <laughs> to be honest, to know more about you. Uh, your photographs are amazing, just to start with that. <laughs> you, you're an amazing, very talented photographer. And when I was doing my research before <laughs> the recording, I actually saw that some of your photographs were published in like The Guardian, in NPR and different websites. Uh, so you've been really uh, doing very well with your photography and yeah, they're being published everywhere. So congrats on that, that's amazing. Maybe to start, um, I'm, I've got to admit, I'm not very knowledgeable about Kenya and especially about Nairobi, but about Kenya in general. So maybe we're going to start with that. If you can tell us where did you grow up, how was life in Kenya when you were a kid and, and also now for you? Basically, I am from Nairobi, Kenya. I grew up in, uh, I grew up in, in between Nairobi and Mombasa. So what we have in Kenya is that um, Kenya is one of the countries in Africa and uh, we have like um, regions or provinces or uh, let's say states for, 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 for uh, to make it easier for the rest of the people to understand. So we have like different um, counties that can be uh, uh, thought to as states. So I grew up in between Nairobi and Mombasa. So Nairobi is the capital city of Kenya and Mombasa is the next, if, if not the capital, the most popular city in, in okay. Kenya. Okay. So, uh, growing up, um, first of all, uh, growing up, my parents used to live in Mombasa before we moved to Nairobi. But um, unfortunately, their relationship didn't last that long, so my parents split up, and um, I was left with my dad. So I was staying with my dad uh, the entire time until I realized that, or I felt like um, <laughs> staying with my dad wasn't a good thing. My dad was pretty something. He he wasn't he's not much of a talker and uh, i could even tell the number of words that he could say to me in a day so wow, wow. as a as a little kid um, uh, growing up with my dad and seeing how um maybe quiet he is it was quite um not easy for me because maybe i needed to talk but i was afraid so then mm -hmm. i opted to go live with my grandmother um which is uh another province or in another state or a region which is kakamega so I stayed with my grandmother for some time because when my mother and my father were splitting up, my mother went with my two sisters. I have two siblings, two elder sisters. Mm -hmm. So my mother, my mother went with my two elder siblings and left with my dad. So I stayed with my dad until um, I felt like maybe I needed to change my environment. So I went to stay with my grandmother in another, um, uh, in another province. So we stayed there until some time, and then my mother started. My mother now wanted me to start living with her, but unfortunately, um, I had lived for s such a long time without um, a my parents, uh, uh, meaning my dad or my mom. So I was just used to my grandmother. So every time my mother used to come and talk to my parents about me, or talk to my grandparents about me, I'd always refuse because then mm -hmm. it had been a very long time without my mom and. Um, she was almost a stranger to me at that point mm. uh yeah. but this yeah. this one time when i just decided like 
I needed to explore Nairobi. I wanted to know what Nairobi is like. So that is when I, I decided to go with my mother. By that time, my mom was staying in Nairobi. So that is when I came to Nairobi. And um, I have stayed in Nairobi since that time. And I have been in between Nairobi and Mombasa back and forth. Because, yes, my, my parents are not together. But um, uh, growing up, I had the privilege or I had the freedom of going wherever it is that I feel comfortable staying. But most of them are... Most of my time I spent it with my mother mm, okay. in Nairobi. And what I'm very curious to know about is how did you discover and fell in love with photography and managed to become, you know, professional photographer? Oh, great. <laughs> it's quite a story. So when I was in high school, <laughs> I was, um, we call it secondary school here. So when I was in secondary school, I was the head of the journalism club. So I was in charge of um, uh, all the journali journalism activities that are involved in the school. So um, mm -hmm. uh, everything, I used to preside everything. But um, unfortunately, uh, two years before I completed my secondary education, I lost the school camera. So after losing my school camera, the school was on my neck. I never told Oops. my mom that I lost, I lost the school <laughs> camera. And... Um, I couldn't tell my mom because my mom would she would really get mad. It was, you know, cameras are expensive and uh, on top of the um, yeah, school yeah. fees, paying for another camera, buying another camera, that was just too much. So I survived in school um, through just um, um, or my own means because I was, of course I was the head of journalism, so, uh, journalism club so it was easy for me to access cameras when we were interacting with other schools and I could do these other things. But when I was completing my uh, secondary education, now the school was on my neck. They decided that I am going to have to pay for that camera before they can clear me. So I had to pay that camera. And it was quite a pinch after all the things that I have had achieved as a journalism uh, club mm. leader. Or So I decided from that point that um, cameras are not expensive, but I have really gone through a great deal of having to lie to my mom. <laughs> and having to lie to the school about the camera so once i am done paying the school camera i am also going to buy my own camera and just take it from there how i mean cameras are expensive like good cameras are expensive um, but i can imagine uh, you know the level of life in kenya and the income that you make compared with the price of professional camera must be must make a camera a very very expensive item no very true so uh, i started out with a point and shoot um rosie you may you might know what a point and shoot is yeah <laughs> i think everyone starts there yeah <laughs> yeah so i started with out with a point and shoot camera and um i got it was a second hand camera but um the funny thing is I bought it at, I think it was uh, $30, $30. I bought my first mm -hmm. camera at $30 because now there was somebody who was selling a camera just because they, they wanted the money for, they were into a lot of things and they just wanted f um, fast moving money. So that's the money I had. Mm -hmm. So at that point, that is where I started. And then uh, later on, um, when I was beginning out, I thought that photography is all about... Uh, the best way to make money out of photography was to work with models. So I was very much into modeling. Mm -hmm. I used to look at a lot of modeling, um, what is going on in the modeling industry, and I used to shoot a lot of models. But later on, I discovered that... And these models weren't paying enough. Like, it's very difficult to work with individual models if it's not an agency or something like that. Mm -hmm. So it was Yeah, because they always want free photo shoots, don't they? exactly too much work involved yeah, and um yeah yeah, um, yeah just too little money coming in so after working with, um working with models for a few for some time i realized that that is not really what i wanted because i felt like i was doing so much yet i am so frustrated i don't like what i'm doing anymore so that is when i joined up mm, with them um, mm. i didn't even know editing by then i used to edit on my phone uh, shooting on a point and shoot camera but I edit on my phone um, and it it worked out quite well um, they used to love it so I could just make enough money to to survive and then there's this one time um, just out of the love of modeling 
I got into because I had learned a great deal about modeling. I got into a competition about modeling uh mm. um in a, an organization in Kibera. Um uh they were offering quite a good amount of money uh to the winners and then they'll give you a job. If you win the competition, you get a job and then quite a good uh, amount of money at the end of it and um so yes, I got into I got in as a model, but my idea my initial idea was to make uh, enough money so that i can buy my own camera so um things went well and um i won i w- did uh, the training ah. for some time and then <laughs> i won the modeling competition <laughs> that's cool so you can be the model in front of the camera and you can be the photographer behind the camera that's practical <laughs> back then <laughs> That was in 2017, <laughs> 2017-2018. Back then I could do that, but ideally I never wanted to be a model. I just wanted the money. So mm. after winning the competition, I got the job with the, this organization. It's a community-based organization. Mm, they gave me a job and um, I also got the money. So I, I, from, from that point, I started saving. I could save from the money I made from working with them and the money I made from a little bit of um photos i took or still shooting models because now i was very known for i was popular because i am a model but i was also popular because i could take photos so it was easy for me to save a little bit of here and there from my job and from shooting a little bit of this and that and i bought my first um not really a professional camera but it was a canon um uh, still a beginner stage but it was good enough. It was a DSLR. So, yeah, that is where I started. You mentioned Kibera, which is where you live and where you do a lot of your photography now. And we saw online that's the largest urban slum in Africa. Would you be able to tell us a little bit about what that means, what people, you know, what their lives are like, just sort of some information about that area? Oh, great. So Kibera is actually the largest urban slum in Africa. And... Um, there's a lot of um, misconceptions about Kibera. Starting out photography, that was one of the things that I realized about Kibera. When you go online and Google Kibera, there's just a lot of information that comes out, uh, comes up that does not truly reflect the people of Kibera or the life of Kibera. Yeah. So when I started working with this organization, um, that is when I discovered myself. I realized that in the beginning, I used to hate Kibera because it was actually the largest. I used to think it's filthy myself. Back then, mm. I used to think mm. it's filthy. I used to hate it. I couldn't wait to move out. But after I grew a little bit older, I realized that there's actually a lot of misperceptions about Kibera. And there's nobody else who's going to come from anywhere to tell the world about what really Kibera is and what life in Kibera really is. Of course, mm. Mm, life is very difficult in Kibera. Um, People are not, um, I mean, people are not uh, very well off here, but people are very, very happy. We have like um, very happy people, very accommodating people and very hardworking people, people who are always looking forward to make something for themselves um, each and every day. So when once I realized that I, re- um, I took it upon myself to like document, to tell uh, the positive stories of Kibera, to tell stories about Kibera in a positive way, a way that is going to inspire somebody else who does not live in Kibera, not only to look at it as a slum, but a place whereby um, life can be beautiful and beautiful people exist there. And there's just so much good in the area that it is not talked about unless um, I talk about it. I think oftentimes with lower income areas, that's where people are creative and resourceful and there's a lot of community together and it's you kind of see a different side of humanity oftentimes in lower income areas because they kind of group together and there's a real kind of i don't know there's a different yeah they help each other out yeah. and stick together and and help each other that that is actually true because when you come when you actually are inside kibera you'll notice that there are a lot of uh, community organizations that are focusing on trying to uh um uplift the living standards of people and um mm. there are a lot of um uh 
youth groups that are organized into just um organizing uh, youth into groups that so that they can be able to avoid drugs or idling in the com- uh, uh, idling around and doing nothing and mm. Mm. you see now the problem is with idling is that most you start thinking about drugs and crime but when we have things like community organizations and we have youth groups and we have um community events where people can just come together and do something not even if they're not being paid but it's something that is communal now people start thinking of somebody the next person as um my brother my sister somebody who needs help so in as much as people do not have a lot but these people are always willing to help in whichever smallest way they can it's i mean i'm gonna speak about myself uh not to make a generalization but i know very little about kenya and africa and for example i i know that i tend to make the huge mistake and i i do know it's a mistake you know to class africa as all the same when there's there are 40 50 countries in africa and and life in one country can be extremely different than another one um and and also in in europe or in the united states when we hear about africa or kenya it's often about negative things it's about poverty it's about um, people starving it's about disease you don't hear very often um, people doing amazing things african people doing amazing things in africa you know and and trying to help the community or being an artist like you are and stuff like that we don't hear those stories very often Uh, we usually hear the negative more than the daily life of normal people like you that or you know went to school and getting a job and 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 just living life like we all are we don't hear about that very often Mm. i feel uh, in in the news or in the papers or stuff like that and this is why it's great to talk to you to have you know a, a sense of the reality in a sense yeah it is it is very true you you are right like um i think that is most often the wrong perception especially when it comes to africa or countries in africa because i think uh stories that are always uh, that get the most popularity or most um airplay are always yeah. negative stories about africa because i i, I really don't know why yeah. africa has always been perceived like that but um there's a lot of other great stories but also also point out that it is true that there's a lot of poverty there's a lot of um mm. corruption when it comes to the government there's a lot of which um uh, is always highlighted but not what people are doing to actually try and uh, make up for the this perception there's a lot of that uh, there's a lot of things that are being done to try and um fight corruption okay corruption in kenya corruption is quite rampant it is mm. a very very big problem and um this thing stems all the way from the government officials but again still you get people who are really really trying mm. to make something good something clean something or something that mm. is out of their sweat without um corruption uh, corrupt hands uh which are stories that are never really highlighted so like you said uh, we never get to hear about these stories and that is why maybe people like me and other uh, fellow photographers here in Kenya and maybe in Kibera are trying to to communicate like there's something good Ke- um Kenya or Africa can just be beyond corruption poverty diseases and all that there's yeah. more to and it I mean, than just there is that. corruption anywhere anyway <laughs> even in the big richest countries this is not an african issue or a kenyan issue at all you know so it's just we talk about it more but it's everywhere <laughs> it, it is just terrible here i think what i love about your photography i'm just what, looking at it on my instagram um yeah on my instagram on my phone right now and i really feel like i get a, a glimpse into kenya and it's not you know 
you said you started off with models and that's very glitzy and glam and you know smiling at the camera and posing and angles and all the rest of it but I love that these are real photographs and people aren't necessarily smiling they're not necessarily looking at the camera they're not you know it's just people doing their things like I love the ones from the animal market for example like I've never seen photographs from an animal market and it's just so interesting I don't really know what my question is I'm just like I wish I had a question to ask you here do you have a question I just like I just love how raw and real it is and it's not posed it's not fake it's not trying to be something that it's not um, is that really important to you to find to try and show the real like the realness of Kenya oh yes so when I started working with this um, uh, mm-hmm. organization is when I, I, I realized that mm-hmm. I have always been a photographer but I have been you know when you're starting out as a photographer you want to do everything yeah. before you discover yourself that is why it was yeah. that is why I almost hated photographer and I almost abandoned photographer because I didn't know my lane but once I started working with these people the, this uh, community organization works with them empowering the girl child providing clean water mm. sanitation in the community uh, providing education mm. so when I started working with this organization I started visiting people homes like uh, home to home visits and you could get to hear about people's stories you could see poverty yes people are suffering but some to some level i used to visit people and i could see poverty in a mm. way that i have never seen it myself and mm. that wasn't very good like I, I just felt like there's only something that i can do or something that i can tell uh, that is just beyond that level so i realized uh having worked with them for some time i realized that my calling or my interest in photography is actually working with people hand in hand being able to tell the stories that are often uh, um underreported or Mm. often overlooked stories that people maybe never pay attention Mm. to that is why you see pictures like um, people in the market you probably see a, a wedding or just something everything everything is all about the everyday life of the people of kibera or everyday life mm. of the people of kenya and these are people uh, things that are, are often overlooked so yeah it is very very important to me to be able to tell a story a story that cannot be um somebody else cannot be able to tell on their own so if i am privileged enough to be able to tell that story it's an honor I think I read somewhere that you'd said, you know, the more that you see different people, the more that you know that everybody's just the same and, you know, trying to connect people on the most basic levels. Yeah, 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 true. Uh, So in my, uh, I have been working with a lot of people. I have realized that um, the world is just, the world is just something simple and something small. There, we only see things with perceptions but if you took your time and um, got to know somebody you realize that we are all the same all across the world i could probably be going through something else and you're going through something different but when you look at it we are all connected like you are your problem Mm. could be my problem only that you are experiencing it in a different world and i'm experiencing it in a different world so if we can be able to listen to each other and then maybe we can be able to uh, help solve these problems because I could be experiencing something that you experienced um, a year ago and you worked it out. So it will, it's probably easier yeah. for you to help me to work it out. And maybe I could be going through something yeah. that and I overcome it and then I could be of help to you. So the world is just one simple thing and we are all connected. It's just a matter of um listening if you listen you will hear mm. that's what i say i like that okay if you listen you will mm. see yeah that is very true um we've talked about that before with rosie about when most of the time uh politician media is always trying to divide us and us as human being always pointing at differences uh why this person or this country or this company is better than this one and why we should always yeah they always point at the differences but 
they don't point to the fact that ultimately, like you said, we all go through life. We all have good days and bad days. Uh, wherever we come from, we have similar uh, problem that every human being have, uh, you know, about relationship with people and stuff like that, for example. And and ultimately, wherever we come from, we all work towards the same goals, which is being happy and living a life where we have people around us and we do something that we like and and that's it. Like very often, like we all want the same things, but yeah, most of the time we focus on the small differences and we try to divide each other. When yeah, we all want the same stuff, honestly. <laughs> unfortunately that is true we we all have so much in common but we tend to focus on the little things that are not common the little things that divide us is what we tend Mm. to amplify Uh, before i go back to your personal story i've got one last question about your photography is what is your big vision your big dream for your photography career something that you would like to achieve and yeah what is it I don't know if it's every photographer's um, dream to be able to travel around the world, but personally, I am. I am into people. I am into the business of people like and that. not into the business <laughs> of photography. So, so for me, if I am able to be, if I can travel around the world doing photography and telling people stories, if I if I can do that, that if. I could travel, that is what I would like to do, to be able to tell people stories um, across the world, not just in Africa, not just in Kenya or uh, any country in Kenya. I mean, I believe we are all the same. We are all equal. So I love that. I'd love to like take my photography to a level mm. whereby I'm able to go to mm. a specific area and be able to highlight a specific issue and not just to highlight to be able to be part of the solution if possible because most often that is where we forget as photographers or as storytellers all we want is to highlight but we are never part of mm. the solution but for me I'd, as much as I want to highlight it I want to highlight it and be a part of the solution like what can we do as um, the human race or as a nation or as somebody who is in a position to help what can i do what can i offer how can i be of help that mm-hmm. is what i'd love yeah talking about that when i was doing my research i've seen that you worked on very cool projects including one about uh, gender i don't remember the exact name but you photographed um, some people from uganda and kenya uh, i think that were from the lgbtq QI community and and you're trying to raise awareness right about uh, about the topic oh that that, that is actually true so um, I, I i really have uh, neutral i am neutral when it comes to the lgbt community uh, i don't give my own opinions but again it is very very important when to highlight these kind of things that are happening so i photographed ryan when I met Ryan, Ryan is a music recording artist. I met him in a studio. But when we first met, Ryan also thought that I was gay. So I was quite uneasy around Ryan. So when he noticed I'm quite uneasy, we got into a conversation whereby Ryan could tell me about his um, life story. So Ryan is a young man from Uganda who is a refugee in Kenya. He's living in Kenya, escaping persecution in Uganda because in Uganda gay people are uh, punishable gayism is punishable by life imprisonment or death so prior to my meeting with Ryan Ryan had witnessed his friends his one of his friends being beaten almost to death by members of his community who actually found out about his sexuality so Ryan decided to mm-hmm. seek refuge in, in Kenya so when I met him, he was at a um, refuge center, one of the refuge centers in Kenya. And uh, that is where he was uh, recording his music. And he was just, he's just a, a normal person who's trying to get by, but who is afraid of um, talking about or um, letting his uh, sexuality yeah. uh, out there. 
he's not free he's not a free man he yes he is free mm. but he's not, he doesn't feel like a free man yeah i understand when you've been prosecuted like that i mean it's it's just chaos i guess <laughs> i am i i am actually uh, on the same note i am actually applying for a grant to be able to go to follow up and highlight the same same story about the lgbt refuge refugees in kenya so if it goes through i might probably be having so uh, i might i might be yeah. able to tell so many stories about um the life stories of yeah. the people who the lgbt community that are, are probably going through a hard time or not necessarily a hard time some of them are having it good but it is very very important to tell both the negative and the positive stories so that we can learn where you're coming from and where we are going or where we could possibly go if we just learn to look at each mm. other as normal yeah. human beings i would like to go back to more like your personal story and your personal life um because we were talking about misconception misconception before and i have a ton of misconception about life in kenya you know um always have this image of i don't know not going to school having internet you know having a smartphone uh you know stuff like that I, i i think my my vision of life over there is just totally wrong <laughs> honestly and because i haven't done my research to be honest but um could you tell us maybe just um you know how was your childhood in terms of you know going to school being with friends uh life as a teenager uh things that you did your yeah just life great so um i mentioned earlier that i grew up in between nairobi and um, mombasa so my life as a kid was mostly so i spent uh, uh, i wasn't very good at school in the in the beginning in the very early classes of school because of what had happened to my family so i wasn't mm. very good i wasn't very fast in class so i did a little bit of good amount of homeschooling because i wasn't very fit um to do to sit in class with other i remember this one time my mom took me to a school a very good school it's called Nairobi Muslim Academy but um um i couldn't perform so there's no way i could join the school so i had to do some good amount of homeschooling before i could actually join an actual school and those were very very the earlier classes um earlier classes of my primary school but later on when i got to around grade um 6 7 8 here i was actually doing very very well i was always one of the best students in class so uh that is one of the most important things i always remember about my childhood and education uh, i remember that i wasn't very good but because i i think of myself as a very hard working person because from being not as a good student in class all the way to being one of the best students um in um, grade 6 uh, 7 yeah. and 8 that was really good that was that 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 kept me going it told me that um i can actually rise from anything if only i push myself hard enough so yeah so that was part of my primary education so after i completed my primary education i went to a boarding school um mind you that um i i had not lived i, I my I've, i always found my parents very very harsh both my mom and my dad so it was always very very difficult for me to talk as a child i was always very very quiet very very introverted because i most of the time i felt terrified mm. Mm. i felt terrified of both my mom or my dad so spent a lot of my time so when i went when i went to uh, boarding school it was more like for me it was more like a relief because even when i'm at home i never talk to my mom so being able to go to a boarding school that was just um <laughs> being yeah. sent on an island that i've been dreaming of <laughs> yeah so when i was in high school i wasn't very bad um i got into a lot of things i had discovered that i can actually do very very well if i put my mind to something so i went i um, um we have like from 1 from 2 from 3 and from 4 um in the very first um from one and from two i joined basketball i played basketball for a while and then i realized in as much as i can work hard i can be good at anything 
I just didn't have the talent in basketball. <laughs> so I dropped basketball and uh, joined rugby. So yeah, I did play rugby. I played rugby for the school. Um w- w- I I was on the school team. <laughs> As the I wasn't the school cap uh, I wasn't the team captain, but I was the school captain. That's cool. Like wow. the school president uh, by the time I was in form 4. Cool. Yeah, wow. so I worked myself to being the school president as well as being the uh, head of the journalism club. So that gave me leverage when it comes to accessing the school resources. I could almost access anything that I needed in the school because now um I am let's say I am privileged of course. So that gave me an easy time into throughout my high school education and that is how I found myself into a position of being able to access a world that would probably be difficult for somebody else um mm. who was in my position uh, coming all the way from Kibera and um, mm. So it was easy for me to access some other things because now when you are dealing with the administration and you are good you are good at what you do you are honest and you are hard working it becomes easy for you to talk with other people other people to receive you you to access things to access information to get information so so that is how i came up into being who i am is education free in kenya ah that is a misperception but that is they say it is free but it is not free it is very very expensive but that is what the politicians are always telling us about every time we are going to an election they tell us we are going to give you free education but it's not true it's a big lie mm. okay so i'm um, just okay it's kind of subsidized but okay the level of subsidy is not um they subsidize it so that they can call it free but i- in as much as they are trying to subsidize it um it is not very very free for somebody for somebody who's not very well off you there's a lot of struggle that goes into uh, that parents do to be able to pay education the primary mm-hmm. education is a little bit easier but when we come to the mm-hmm. high school education or the secondary edu- education that is where Uh, most of the kids probably drop out of school most of the people drop out of school f- when they are going to high school because the high school education is actually very very expensive unless you perform very very well you get sponsored mm-hmm. but if you're just an average student you and you're not very well off you might need to be lucky okay. yeah so it must have been very hard for you and i understand what you mean by you are a hard worker because obviously with everything going on with your family and 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 not living with your parents and everything it must have been really hard for you to a lot of determination and a lot of uh, self you know a lot of courage and everything to push yourself to to keep going without having the the support and the resources of your family that maybe other other kids have yeah yeah it, it was very very hard it was actually very very hard but um, as for me I used to look at it as um I don't know I don't know maybe maybe I just grew up a long time ago and I didn't know about it but I used to look at my family issues or my parents issues as their own issues so when we we took a break when I was in primary if we have a break and then I'll go to Mombasa because my dad now uh, is in Mombasa and my mom is in Nairobi so when we are on a break I'll take a, the break and go to Mombasa live stay with my dad for some time and then come back to my mom um and that's how i used to do it so i could do it each time i i got the opportunity i got stay with my dad for a couple of days and then i come back uh so i did it back and forth back and forth back and forth until when i completed my high school edu- uh, my primary education my mom sent me to my dad and she told me to go to my dad and uh, ask my dad what is going to happen to me now that i'm done with my primary education oh my dad <laughs> my dad is quite something <laughs> <laughs> My dad sent me back to my mother and told me, "Okay, go back to your mother and um, tell her um I don't know what is going to happen to you unless if you want to start doing s- a little bit of hand jobs here and there that could earn you money." And my mom wasn't for the idea. My mom wasn't for the idea for me to start doing a little hand jobs that could earn me money. So I went back to my mom and my mom decided that she's going to put me back to mm. uh, high school education. So that is when i went to high school education still after high school education i still went to my dad um 
stayed with my dad for some time and still my dad was the same same guy like what are you going to do now that you are done with education for him once you are done with not even for him just not just for him for most parents here in Kenya or in Kibera once you are done with uh, your secondary education or high school education you are old enough to take care of yourself mm. so university doesn't really matter yeah. mm. you just now you need to start fending for yourself so when i went to back to my dad after doing my um uh, high school education he immediately threw me into some this and that and um, yeah i caught up with what he wanted me to do so i could do this and that this and that whatever he used to do i could do it um i could find other jobs for myself and i could do it and i could make some little cash for myself on the side and uh, that was even before i bought a camera mm-hmm. so i could make a little bit of this i taught myself how to skate mm-hmm. when after my high school education uh, when i was staying with my dad i during that period i taught myself how to skate mm-hmm. and i bought a few pairs of skate shoes roller skates and i started teaching kids how to skate around um the uh, place where i used to say and uh, honestly i could say that i used to make some really good oh. money uh from doing that so yeah that is one of the things that i did to make my to make money after high school and while staying at my dad so when my dad realized that i could make my own money <laughs> it's the situation became even worse <laughs> now we could yeah. we barely talked but we used to meet for yeah. dinner we could we used to take supper together so every time we are talking supper he just point out a few things when you are taking supper and then he's done that is it but i appreciate him he taught me how to be a man i'm curious to know the your relationship and the differences between you and your sister uh, and the difference between you know how men and women are um Or, or you know like during the childhood how is it going and education is it the same level of education and everything for men and women or you you got yeah different things oh so um i have two elder sisters like i mentioned i am the only boy the only son and mm-hmm. uh, the last born so you can imagine in africa when you are a man so much uh, a lot of, uh, a lot depends on you so for me I have been privileged enough because my mm-hmm. sisters love me too much. They they went to school, they <laughs> they performed very well. All thanks to my mom. <laughs> mm. She did all the job. <laughs> And um um about the education system, it is the same. Whether you are a man or you're a woman, uh the amount of fees that a man is paying or a, a boy or any child is paying it is going to be the same regardless whether you are um female or male when it comes to school so unless you it is different schools but it is pretty much the same it is always standard mm-hmm. the education is always standard so yeah so my sister's wo- mm, my elder sister is not married and but the second born mm-hmm. is married so yeah. she also stays in Mombasa again and yeah in in Europe or in the US i mean in a lot of countries uh, being a photographer is not considered as a real job because it's very hard to make money uh, as a full-time photographer it's it's not very easy because yeah it's not a real office job like a lot of people think about uh, how how is it that in 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 Kenya uh, when you told your parents or people i want to become a photographer um did you have a lot of that strange you know you should be going to a normal job or how was that welcome <laughs> now that's funny because um it is not just in europe or where photography is not considered a job like he even here mm. photography is not considered a real job like people most people are still waiting for you to get a job a real job because when you're doing photography that is not an actual job well photography is hard mm. very very hard so very very hard especially when you're trying to for people like us who are trying to do documentary photography and photojournalism it is very very hard because then you need to pay the bills and it is not very very consistent 
so I don't think I ever told my any of my parents that I needed to I wanted to be a photographer or I'm a photographer and uh, till today um my mom knows that I'm doing photography but she has no idea what photography really entails or what kind of photography I do or mm. all she knows is mm. that I am a photographer and I take photos about my dad he just sees me with a camera and he has never asked <laughs> So for me I am just trying to make it in a world that um in a world that I have been introduced to uh on social media and a world that I have loved ever since I was a kid and something that I just want to make it so they 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 have no idea about photography or wh- what kind of photography I'm doing but they appreciate the fact that they think I have a job and i can survive mm. on my own so yeah they are comfortable the with important. that <laughs> where do you find the i don't know the the courage and the motivation and the strength to pursuing this passion when you know there are probably easier way you could make money other things you could do other work that you could do to to make money and to make a living what motivates you every day to carry on and pursue this passion what motivates me is my background where i came from i come from a poor background and i know what it means to come from a poor background i want to be an example to the rest of the kids that are coming after me and even other people that are out here i am not successful but you can actually do something genuine something that does not need you to take a shortcut something that the world could reward you god could reward you and um that is where i draw my strength i draw my strength from my previous encounters the people i have encountered the life i have lived before and uh, the everyday life i see other people living around here is my encouragement is my is what keeps me going like things can get better it is not always bad you can be a good person and you can make it you just have to work hard believe in what you're doing and go at it just keep going no matter how many times how many setbacks you get if you believe in what you're doing you'll get there just keep going just don't don't look back don't listen to other people that are trying to discourage you because the world has a lot of that yeah. the world has a lot of discouragement the world has a lot of um um has a lot of sad stories and you cannot focus on sad stories you cannot move forward you cannot move forward if you're looking at the back so just um choose your lane and decide your path and stick at it keep going i love that that is thank you for that <laughs> there's nothing i can say after that it's just <laughs> yeah it's so true it's yeah amazing answer thank you <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Anwar, for taking the time to talk to us. It's been so nice to hear about your photography journey, about life in Kenya, about your background, about everything. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Uh, thank you so much for having me on the podcast today. And um, have... uh, I, I really hope you guys can visit Kenya. Really, you, you guys should visit Kenya. One yeah, last question. We'd love yes. to. Yeah, we would love to. We, we talked to Daniel, actually, about, about that and like, whenever the world and traveling is okay again uh collaborating with i like local and maybe doing experiences and stuff we would love to yes yes i did listen to your podcast with ah. daniel but mm. uh, that was like yeah uh daniel is quite uh, a guy he's he's um, i mean he's an inspiration yeah. to be honest daniel is an inspiration and um, yeah i actually um realize he's an inspiration after listening to you your podcast because mm-hmm. I didn't know as much as I learned about him before I listened to the podcast but after I listened to the podcast I realized, I realized whoa whoa this guy <laughs> this guy is yeah. just yeah, something yeah thank you thank you <laughs> well like you said before you know like this is like you you use your photography to inspire other people and this is we use our mic and the podcast to hopefully inspire other people this is why we do it so i'm very happy that uh you enjoyed it (laughs) 
please do i'm going i think i'm going to listen to each and every podcast that is there because i mean there's so much inspiration that i could get and it is just so difficult to find mm-hmm. something good <laughs> but once you've discovered where you can get something <laughs> good ah, i stick Thank there you. so i'm going to stick around <laughs> we got one last question it's a question we ask every guest at the end of the episode it's if you could have a conversation with anyone in the world dead or alive that you think is the most interesting person you could ever met uh who would you talk to and why <laughs> whoa ah, dead or alive um i don't know um um okay um i i think i'll probably go uh, I uh, choose some someone who's dead, um someone I've never met. I have never met my grandfather from my mother's side and mm-hmm. from what I hear, he was quite a big fan of me as when I was a kid, uh-huh. when I was a, a little boy. And I don't know why, but I have always felt so so connected to him even if I've never saw him. He just saw me when I was a little kid and I have never seen him, but still I have always felt so connected to him like this just so much of maybe what mm-hmm. i could have been and he knew what i could have been and he probably always to used to say that and it always feels like oh man i am not great i am not doing anything but i i can do it and you should just see me i am trying yeah so i think i'll choose i probably choose to have a conversation with my grandfather and maybe get an insight of yeah. the kind of man he was and um yeah. for him to see the kind of a man I am right now if he if I probably um um live up to the level of a standard of a man he probably thought I would be or I'm not. sure you do I'm sure you'd be very proud I hope so Thank you so much Anwar for this conversation uh, I've really enjoyed learning more about you personally and about your country and I find it very inspiring your your strength your motivation to keep going and even if you know the path is hard things are complicated but you you have an idea you have a vision and you you're doing everything you can to achieve you know your dreams and and whatever you want to pursue and and this is i think an amazing lesson and and thank you for your yeah openness to just share everything with us thank you uh you're most welcome um i look forward to a lot of this kind of inspiration mm-hmm. too i mean i i do appreciate honestly i do appreciate being here and this is quite an honor i will link your uh, instagram profile in the description and your website as well so people can see your work and people can contact you and yeah everyone can reach out and and see your amazing photographs thank you so much thank you so much anwar and thank you thank to you. everybody listening i really hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll be back next wednesday with a brand new episode bye bye, bye.